Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna feel, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. And again, good morning. Hour number two of Mornings with Carmen under the way without Carmen. Carmen is off. She'll be back on Monday. I'm Paul Perot, usually the producer today, getting to host one more time. And we'll get to Paul Lacey in just a bit as we think about weekend entertainment options and more from the entertainment world With uh, from Plugged In. All right. <clears throat> Here it is, the first getting ready for the first weekend of August, the last big month of summer. It's still summer. So why am I seeing all the stuff for pumpkin spice stuff already? I mean, it's not in stores, but already partway through this month, about halfway through the month, Starbucks or Dunkin'. I know toward the end of the month they start releasing all their lattes and all that other stuff, and that's bad enough. (laughs) But Oreo has decided to bring back their pumpkin spice flavored um, pumpkin spice Oreos. Yeah. And... They'll hit the shelves starting on the 15th. You're just kind of... Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing a... Tw- bring Paul Acey up on that one. I'm, I'm coming to your... No? No. Oh, my goodness. What is up with this? When you look in your garden, the pumpkins aren't even like... They're they're like orange size. They're like apple size. I don't quite I know, get this. I know. I, I don't get it either. Well, it's the pumpkin from last year. It's been... You know, they got to use it up somewhere. <laughs> But anyway, the whole thing with pumpkins, okay, I've been trying to start a campaign for a few years of having what, just like here in Minnesota, we have the fishing opener, which is usually the weekend after Mother's Day, or no, it's usually the weekend of Mother's Second, second, anyway, it starts in May. That's when you can go get the walleye. Well, I think there should be something called pumpkin spice opener. (laughs) Pumpkin spice opener should be the day after Labor Day. Before that time, no. Maybe there should be pumpkin spice licenses like there are for fishing. You can't have your pumpkin spice until after Labor Day. I I don't know. I'm voting for you for president. (laughs) That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I totally agree. All right. Another more fun news headline is Friday. Let's have a little fun. Uh, Jason Momoa uh, surprised Hawaiian Airlines passengers. He served as an in-flight steward handing out water. After all, he is Aquaman. <laughs> but, yeah, he did that recently. Oh, my goodness. See, and, and I like him all the better because he wasn't handing out pumpkin spice lattes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, we'll tell you what, Paul, uh, we'll take a quick break, get back to talking about some uh, some entertainment options for this weekend, some new movies coming out, and that and more as we do our Friday entertainment look here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio.
Okay, what's this? What'd you just say there, Paul? If you had your druthers? If I had my druthers, you would have only pumpkin spice available between Halloween and Thanksgiving. That is it. That is it. Well, it gives pumpkin spice lovers something to look forward to, you know, because you've got this sort of advertising lull, if you will, before, you know, between Halloween and Christmas. I mean, they start up the Christmas decorations way, way, way too early. But see, pumpkin spice could move the Christmas rush back to after Thanksgiving where it belongs. You can be really hyped up for a pumpkin spice season. Hmm, I don't know if That's I agree with that. I see because I, I kind of appreciate the fact at least they wait until after Halloween before all the Christmas drinks start hitting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. No eggnog before Halloween. No, sure. no, no, definitely not. Although I like my eggnog. Now you bring that up. <clears throat> <laughs> Paul Lacey filling it. This is kind of cool because Adam Holtz usually are, are, uh, are a plugged in guy, but he's on vacation. And so the best backup quarterback in the business, Paul Lacey, <laughs> <laughs> helping us out, looking at some of the movie reviews. A lot of the, the big one right now I see a lot of advertisements for is luck, which does have some limited theatrical release, but it's mainly a streaming one, right? It is correct. That is absolutely correct. Luck is, uh, you can find it on Apple TV+, Plus, which a lot of people have uh, because they have their Apple products, right? And they, uh, Apple has always been known for cranking out some really quality content. Luck is a little bit of a, of a side move for them. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a cartoon. Um, mm -hmm. it is designed by, uh, it, the, the guy who sort of heads up the animation studio is John Lasseter, who used to be part of Pixar. He, uh, he was sort of disgraced. He, uh, he was caught up in the, in, in a lot of, you know, allegations of, of, of impropriety and whatnot, but he's sort of rehabilitated and he, so he heads up this studio and luck is the first real movie. That's, that's sort of a part of, of his duration there. Um, it is a very sweet, nice movie. It's about this girl named Sam, who's the unluckiest girl in the world. Uh, she's the type of person who, when she drops her toast, it always falls jelly side down. Um, she wants to give, she wants her friend, her young, young, young friend. She grew up in sort of this orphanage. She never found a forever family. She wants her friend Hazel, who's maybe about six or seven, to have better luck than she did. Um, she pours out these feelings to this stray black cat she meets on the road. Uh, the cat leaves, but leaves behind this lucky penny. It's truly a lucky penny. And so she takes it. She means to give it to Hazel. But of course, Sam's own bad luck uh, holds firm and she accidentally flushes it down the toilet, uh, which is a bad mm. thing because the cat needs it to, to get back to the land of luck where he lives. Clearly, this is a strange convoluted yeah. plot and it doesn't get much easier, but it does have some very, very sweet messages. Uh, the movie is not really about luck at all, but really about how you deal with circumstances. Hmm. It makes the point uh, that, that how, what we are thrown in life doesn't matter nearly as much as how we react to it. Um, and it has sort of this nice biblical theme to it. You know, I, just watching it, I kept thinking back to, to Paul's exhortation that we rejoice in our sufferings because they bring endurance and character and hope. And that's really what this movie is about. Plus, it has some really good messages on adoption, too. Mm, interesting. Okay, a couple more movies we want to get to. Uh, one is Strong Father, Strong Daughters, which is a faith-based movie. 
You bet. Not a lot of people are probably going to have access to this, but it's something that you might want to think about. Uh, Pure Flix, uh, which is known for its Christian movies, has its own streaming service now. And Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters is the very first movie that they've made, especially for that streaming service. It's about this dad who has provided everything he can uh, in terms of in terms of money and in terms of comfort to his three daughters, who he loves very much. Uh, but one of the when one of the daughters, Abby, returns from a missions trip, uh, she announces that she found the guy of her dreams and she's going to get married and she's going to go to Kenya and live, which is way outside her dad's plans. So the the story is really about the dad learning how to love his daughters better, to know that the the best provision you can make for your kids is really your time and your love and your care. Um, And it's also about a dad letting go uh, because his daughters are getting older and he still wants to control their lives. And sometimes he, he has to realize that it is time for him to to let them make their own decisions. It is really a sweet and, and surprisingly funny movie. Uh, this is a well-constructed piece from Pure Flix that, that if you have access to the Pure Flix streaming service, uh, you might want to check out. All right. One more movie before we go to break, and we might have to carry this over a little too, but 13 Lives. Uh, this is based on a true story that happened just a few years ago. It certainly is, yeah. I, and I'm so glad that I knew the ending of the story because otherwise the movie would have been way too tense for me. Uh, so it, it, it's about the, the the 2018 cave rescue. If you remember back the news headlines, uh, 12 soccer kids and their coach were caught trapped in a cave that suddenly floated, flooded in, in northern Thailand. Uh, the monsoon rains were f- threatening. Obviously, one came a little bit early. And there was some doubt as to whether the kids would ever make it out alive. In fact, no one really knew how they were going to get them out of there. Uh, so this is really the story of their rescue, and it centers on two um, two very skilled uh, British cave divers who come to help. Uh, they find the kids, then they become instrumental in trying to get them out. Uh, it's a really inspiring story. This was this has some problems. It's PG-13. Uh, it has some language issues. Some some F words and S words are thrown in there. So that's something to be aware of. Uh, there's some interesting spirituality that we may talk a little bit uh, later about. Um, and of course, there's peril. But in terms of the story itself. It is very inspirational and very encouraging, and it shows the power of what can happen when we all work together toward the same goal. There are so many heroes in this movie. It's 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 a wonderful thing to see. Mm. And we'll get to the faith element, though, in just a few minutes, Paul, because it's important. This is Mornings with Carmen. Paul AC is my guest. I'm Paul Perot. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
Well, again, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Paul AC from Plugged In joining me. We were talking uh, as we came to the break about the movie that's coming out this weekend, 13 Lives, remembering the uh, Thailand rescue of that soccer team back in 2018. And, Paul, as we were talking, there's a faith element to the story, and I want to thank EternityNews.com uh, .au out of Australia for reminding us of this, but several members of that uh, of that soccer team, they're young Christians, including a young 14, then 14-year-old boy, Adun. Yes, yes. This is something that you won't see in the movie. What you see in the movie, which is on Amazon Prime now, uh, it... It, uh, it it shows a lot of the the, the cultural uh, faith elements of, of of northern Thailand. You know, you 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 see the 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 there's a shrine essentially to uh, a mythological figure who uh, is, was supposedly represents the mountain in which the cave is in. You see some praying. You see a Buddhist monk that that plays a role as well. So you don't see in the movie itself a lot of Christian content. Uh, but as it turns out, as you say, there were a number of kids who were Christian. Um, Adan, who the the story at EternityNews.com is really fascinating. He uh, he apparently uh, went to the Compassion Center, mm-hmm. uh, the local Compassion Center, for years before that, and and he was uh, by by the tenth night, he says he, he was losing hope. All of them were. And so he says, the only thing that I could do was to pray. I prayed, Lord, I'm only a boy. You are almighty God. You are holy and you are powerful. Right now, I can't do anything. May you protect us. Come to help us all 13. Um, it, it's a beautiful statement, you know, and I think that, that that sometimes when we see these huge stories, we forget the, the, the smaller stories beneath them all and the larger story that is working in amongst them all. You know, you have these beautiful stories of individual faith, and you have uh, you have that faith that motivates them to do some some very very powerful things, uh, and that's that's kind of encouraging to me. All right, we'll have the link to the uh, Eternity News story on our show notes, so when the podcast goes up, you can find the show notes there, and you can read the article yourself. Uh, Paul, let's turn our attention. Um, this past Sunday, I, I subscribed to the Dispatch and uh, the French press. I get that every Sunday morning from David French. And as the legal mind he is, he pointed out an important case that exposes the darkness of America's worst industry. Help us understand that because this, this has to do with a website called Pornhub. Correct. Correct. Uh, Pornhub obviously uh, is a huge power within the in, within the internet. It's a huge power within our society. Quite frankly, uh, it receives 3.5 billion visits a month, uh, and that was in 2019. You can only guess that those rates have gone up since then. Um, but one of the things that that people might not realize about this already kind of ooky site is that um, it it allows readers or or users to post their own videos. And a lot of those videos happen to be of people who are under the age of 18. Um, And sometimes they are advertised as being under the age of 15 or 18. And we just have a a situation now where uh, a woman has sued MindGeek, who owns Pornhub, and more critically, uh, Visa, who helps facilitate uh, the traffic to 
Pornhub uh, for being exploited on the internet. Her boyfriend posted a, a video of her nude when she was just 13. And, uh, and it was seen by literally millions and millions and millions of people. And even when Pornhub decided to take it down, which they did, and they really took a long time taking it down, by that time, so many other people had downloaded it and saved it to their computers and reposted it that it became, you know, it's, it's just been, you just can't bring it back once it's out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's been suing and apparently it, the, 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 the suit has gained quite a bit of traction. Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating actually. Uh, the, the, the judge who is, who was presiding over this, this suit, uh, said that, that Visa was sort of aiding and abetting mm. this distribution of child pornography. Now, I wasn't saying that Visa was was profiting directly from it, but of course, it was allowing MindGeek to continue to distribute, continue to work with them, even though it was distributing these these really vile materials. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be very significant in the porn industry for for years to come. And hopefully, that may change some things within the industry itself. You know, it's always been disconcerting how. Um porn objectifies women and such and then and you have this situation where the woman you're talking about serena i mean she was exploited in correct this. and correct and pornhub and by uh, extension visa were a party to that exploitation yeah yeah it's a it is a really tragic industry and, and one of the sad things about where i think our culture is today um is that it has become so ubiquitous. Porn has become mainstream. I think it's a given for many, many people within the culture that they that they use porn, that they they see porn. Um, and of course, it's because of its ubiquity, because it's so available online. Um, lots of kids are seeing it. I mean, it's it's yeah. and and that is damaging their own relationships down the road. And it's a it's just a tragic cycle. Mm -hmm. We have just two more minutes, and I want to at least point people to an interesting article. I know people will say, well, it's just – if it's porn, I'm just watching an image. It's not affecting me. Or I'm just reading this story or watching this movie storyline. It's not affecting me. Um, you have a great blog up on, <laughs> on uh, Plugged In talking about the science of story. Yeah, absolutely. This was actually written by our stellar intern, Marcella Evans. She uh, she did a great job with it, but she really unpacks how scientists have explored how story impacts us. Um, I won't get into all the details of the story, but but they, they clearly found that when we are given a story, when we are presented a story, it resonates with us more powerful than, than just straight facts or figures or whatnot. Uh, it, it, we ingest it. We, we embrace it. We feel closer to the people telling the story. It makes the issue come that much closer. Uh, and, and I think that we've already always known that. You know, I, I always go back to the Bible. Why did Jesus teach in stories? It's because he knew we were wired to receive them. Um, and, and I think that that's an important thing for us to know as we, as we deal with today's stories that can be so powerful and so, uh, so influential for good or for ill. Mm. Thanks again, Paul. Uh, again, best backup QB in the business. Thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen.
Well, hopefully I didn't throw too many interceptions. Thanks so much, Paul. <laughs> really appreciate it. I just fumbled a lot. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> this Thanks is, so much. Yeah, this is Mornings with Carmen. Up next is Breakpoint. Hey, don't forget, we're in the final days of our biggest book bundle giveaway ever each week, the last several weeks. We've, we've had these bundles of books based around various topics, and this is Carmen LeBurge's week. My, we're, we're talking about cultural engagement, worldview stuff. We have bundles of books about that, which we'll be giving away shortly. But to get in, to get, to get a chance to win a bundle of these books to help you engage the culture well, go to our website. You have to go there. Go to our website, which is uh, myfaithradio.com, and sign up for the biggest book bundle giveaway ever. Ever uh, You have through this Sunday to get your name in the hat. And, you know, part of what we do here on Mornings with Carmen is trying to help you bring the mind of Christ, the full counsel of God's Word. We try to help you bring that to the matters of the day. And we talk about a lot of things here on Mornings with Carmen. And yes, we oftentimes get into topics that verge into the political. Because guess what? That, that For a lot of people, that consumes a lot of their lives. And there's an increasing amount of tension, polarization. And we've, we've been talking about ways to depolarize a lot of this, or at least decrease the tension here on Mornings with Carmen. But the tensions remain high, case in point. You know, I don't know if you've been following the lawsuit by some Sandy Hook parents against Alex Jones. The um, He's said a lot of conspiracies about uh, Sandy Hook, and then he finally admitted in court the other day, okay, yes, yeah, Sandy Hook was a 100% real attack. It wasn't a fiction that he had been long time talking about. Just yesterday, <clears throat> California's governor, Gavin Newsom, calling on Hollywood to pull its production out of Georgia – because they protect uh, they they protect children's unborn children with their with their laws. <sighs> okay, a lot of polarization. How do we as Christians engage politically and do so in a way that um how can I put it? We engage politically in the name of Jesus in the power of the gospel and in the love of Christ. How do we do that? That's what I hope we'll talk about with uh, uh, Jordan Baller in just a few minutes. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen on on listener-supported Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot filling in one more time for Carmen. She'll be back on Monday. As I mentioned before, one thing we try to do here at on Mornings with Carmen, help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day, the full counsel of Scripture, including all aspects of life, whether it be family, your social engagement, yeah, politics. And that's hard because politics has become very, very cutthroat, especially here in America as we continue to continue to polarize. And a lot of people, a lot of people I know who are Christians get sucked into it. I, I see the memes on Facebook and it's like, is that really what Christ would do? How do we how do we engage politically well? How do we engage so 
in the love of Christ. And I'm not exactly sure where this conversation is fully going to go, but I wanted to talk to Jordan Baller, who is, among many other things, he is with the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. Jordan, thanks for joining me. Yes, thanks so much for having me on. I look forward I do. to our conversation and seeing where it goes. <laughs> I, I, as I was t- telling you off air, uh, you've been responsible for consuming mass qu- uh, quantities of my time the last almost <laughs> two years because um, you were part of the translation team for some of Kuiper's, well, the Kuiper Library that that uh, Lexham Press put out, and I, I spent a little over a year going through Common Grace, the three volumes. Those are thick, and yeah. then now I'm doing pro yeah. reggae. Yeah, a little thinner. So yeah, a little, yeah, you're a on the little down, thinner. You're, you're halfway through. You're over halfway done. <laughs> you, I have to blame you. If you hadn't been part of the, if you hadn't tra- been forcing the translation of the stuff, I would have had more time on my hands the last two years. Well, I'm happy to take some credit and some blame for that. That's, right. that's good to hear, yeah. <laughs> but one thing I liked about these books is it really helps hone my ideas about how do we engage as Christians in well, not just the political sphere, because he doesn't just focus on that, but all the different spheres of our life. I want to focus on politics, ref- reflecting Christ in politics. Now, we both read an article by uh, James Spencer, who's uh, the president of the D.L. Moody Center, which is a nonprofit organization inspired by the life and ministry of Dwight Moody, which, you know, I have a deep respect for Moody and all he has accomplished, all he accomplished during his life. Some of the lines, though, from the the um, article kind of got me. Now, he he says in there, I'm not suggesting that Christians abandon the political realm or set aside patriotic concerns. We are to render to Caesars what is Caesars, but more importantly to God what is God's. Agree. That's Matthew 22, 21. But then he said something else later in the article that just almost put a check in my heart. Do we reflect Christ in the world by fixing the world? Or rather, we do not reflect Christ in the world by fixing the world. Rather, we reflect Christ by observing his commandments, even when doing so leaves the world broken. And I see where he's going with that, and I understand part of it, but I had this big check in my heart. Did you? Yeah, so I I like how you phrased the first part of your question introducing the segment, which is how do we engage the world? And as part of our engagement and faithful engagement in the world, you know, how do we do that in politics? So much of what Kuiper is arguing against, and I think, um, you know, we can take to heart is that that engagement, that positive engagement, that faithful following of Christ, discipleship in all areas of life is a mandate. It's a it's a necessity. So it's not a question of doing it or not doing it. It's how do we do it faithfully? And that's where there's so much disagreement and so much need for discernment and the need to develop prudence and and wisdom to see how how we are supposed to do that in all of our different circumstances and all the changing context of our world and and through the and, and through the ages you know so yeah we're into that uh, really interesting um challenge of how to engage faithfully in the world and in the in the times that we live in um you know with respect to the, the question about fixing the world i mean i i, I have i I'm, I'm ambivalent about it like you are so on the one hand I do think it's true that we're called to be faithful and not necessarily successful so that we're going to be judged on on you know our faithfulness right. to what what Christ has commanded and not by what we've sort of accomplished objectively that we could point to um and say well we won this battle and you know um 
you know, we're not we're not judged simply sort of on the result on the results. We're not simply concerned about you know the end and that any means that will get us to that end is going to be justified by doing that. On the yeah. other hand, you can you know you have to stay engaged and you have to be motivated to to be engaged and to act faithfully. So if we're if we're not worried about you know addressing real problems in the world, we can run into a, you know a kind of the danger of quietism. So just as we can be tr too triumphalistic about what we can accomplish mm -hmm. and too optimistic about what we can accomplish, certainly on our own power. Um, you know, we have to maintain that balance between um, engagement and, and um, withdrawal, mm -hmm. which is in the end, really unfaithfulness to, to Christ. So we need to help. Okay. I'm going to coin a term here. Faithfulistic worldview. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I, 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 cause I look at it. We'll see if that catches on. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Probably not. Jordan Baller uh, with us here on Faith Radio. He is again with the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. I mean, we talk, Jordan, a lot, especially here on Faith Radio, how applying, you know, living your faith out, connecting faith to life, all aspects of life, being a faithful husband, father, mother, wife, you know, faithful family member, faithful in your church, faithful at work. Because we talk about, you know, and mm -hmm. being faithful to God as well as faithful to your boss in the workplace is important. This should bleed over into how we engage culturally, both at the local and larger levels as well. Yeah, so we're citizens, too, in addition to all those other roles or aspects of our calling. And so we need to be faithful citizens. Um, you know, we're called to um, promote the good of the the city, the county, the state, the nation, the world with with that we're in. So, um, yeah, that's where a lot of the the really interesting work of discernment and and the cultivation of wisdom comes in. Because you need to have convictions, you need to have principles and uh, perspectives on the world that are defined and formed by the gospel. And then you need to know enough about the world and the way that the world works, and enough about. Um, history and politics and economics and other things to to try to bring those principles effectively to bear in the world so um this is where a lot of the really interesting challenging um tragic sometimes work of politics and and social science and and social work and charity and all of those things comes together mm -hmm. you know as we're getting ready for this conversation you threw Four P words at me. You must be. Uh, you're not Baptist, yeah. are you? No, no, I'm Reformed. So yeah, okay, yeah, well, a... get the. You know, well, if you're a Baptist, <laughs> it, it'd be three points, and right. yeah, in an illustration. But <laughs> but you you had a good alliteration going here, and let's start talking through this alliteration. You talk about principles, prudence, policy, and prayer, and you, you said we need clear and consistent principles to guide our actions. As we before we get to the break, let's start looking at some of those principles that you're thinking about. Yeah, so these are the kinds of things that are drawn pretty clearly from Scripture. So um, the idea, as these have been classically kind of formulated in in Christian social thought, including Roman Catholic as well as Protestant social thought, the idea of the common good that you know we're to seek something beyond ourselves in society. That it's not just about my individual good or the good of the community to which I belong, narrowly speaking, or even the good of the church. It's about the the good of the community that we're we're born into and that we live in. Um, that's the goal of one of you know of our of our um, of our social action is the common good. So that's a principle that's important. Um, 
you know another another principle that's 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 universal is is that of solidarity that we share something in common with everybody who's created in God's image and that we have some moral obligations to them you know there's lots of places where this comes out in scripture the the parable of the good samaritan and so on so you know we have a kind of a unity regardless of our um other kinds of relationships or other ways of defining our identity we have a kind of baseline um unity and solidarity with everybody another important christian social principle is that of uh, subsidiarity that we respect the the dynamics and diversity of the kinds of relationships that are out there in the world and and that gets at all the different kinds of institutions and organizations and the complexity of our social life and so subsidiarity respects that diversity um and and gives us some guidance for how to act within the context of a diverse social world that respects those relationships and doesn't come in and tyrannize things and and um and respects you know the the individuality and the autonomy of 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 everybody's moral agency so those are a few of the principles that we can think about um and they give you some good guidance but then the you know the real challenge is how to apply those you know concretely and more practically in the world yeah we'll talk about that after we get back from the break how we move from just the principles because the principles are good but sometimes i won't say they're intention jordan but they they i guess tension is the word they sometimes bump up against each other a little bit so we'll talk about that as we return with Jordan Baller from uh, the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in one more time here on Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome to the First Church of Mercy, where the doors of love swing open wide. No matter who you are, no matter what you've this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in one more time. If you're new to Faith Radio, we'd love to officially welcome you. Go to our website, MyFaithRadio.com. Request your own welcome pack. We'll have a nice little free welcome pack gift in there for you, plus information about our shows, our offerings, what we're about. We'd love to connect with you again. So if you're new, request your own welcome pack at MyFaithRadio.com. We continue our conversation now with Jordan Baller as we look at how do we faithfully engage how do we gauge politically in the love of christ uh i do have one person jordan who said thumbs up to the whole idea of faithfulistic uh okay. text in All on right. a text we're line on, we're building a movement we're building yeah. a movement that's i, I don't know it if you're on board with, with that one what's that <laughs> i said it begins with one it begins with one so thank you ethan base by the way if you want to comment or you have a question 877-933-2484 we've been talking about the three p's that you outlined, uh, uh, Jordan, about engaging well. Principles, we just got through talking about some of the principles, the common good, solidarity, subsidiarity, or, you know, sphere sovereignty we were talking off air. That's getting into the weeds right now. But then you had principles, prudence, policy, and prayer. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm resisting going Dana Carvey on you talking about prudence. It wouldn't be prudent. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> as I mentioned before, Oftentimes, these principles, as good as they are, and they're important, just like in nature, when you have two laws of nature interacting, sometimes there's some give and play we have to be mindful of. That's where the prudence comes in. 
Yeah, that's right. So it, you could say in a way the principles are underdetermined in the sense that they need to have some more detail. We need more information. We need to know more about the situation that we're trying to address, the facts of, of reality that we find ourselves in, that we're, that we're engaging in order to apply those principles in a practical and a concrete way. So if you're trying to move from, from principle directly to policy, that's exactly the kind of challenge and move that you're you're encountering is okay. I've got these ideas in my head, these these guidelines, basically these principles that that um, direct my my thinking, and I want to direct my action. But then, how do I apply them practically in this situation? And that's really where you need that other that middle term prudence. You need wisdom. You know, there's so much in the Bible about uh, leaders praying for wisdom. Solomon's perhaps the you know the paradigmatic example of of praying for wisdom, um, needing wisdom to be faithful. And it's exactly that kind of discernment, which the spirit grants to us. And then we also acquire through, you know, maturity and education and, and moral formation that is so necessary to be faithful in terms of applying the Christian faith and all of the principles that, that we, you know, derive from the Bible and then apply to the world in a faithful and, and true manner so that we can actually be effective and not just have good intentions or talk about these, you know, principles, which sound great, but then um, end up not being applied well or applied in ways that, that actually harm rather than help. Mm -hmm. Okay. So principles, prudence. Now, after you've thought through things prudently, policy. Yeah. And that's where we get to the real challenge of, you know, advocating directly for something. If it's, you know, politics that say it's legislation or it's some kind of reform or, um, you know, some sort of political decision or a regulation, you know, for or against it. And so that's the process that we're trying to work through is to, to have policies that are compatible with, derived from, dependent upon, uh, even entailed by our Christian principles, the ones that, you know, we, we, we see in the Bible that are clearly taught and then make those as consistent as possible. And this is where, especially when you, it's in the realm of prudence, there's going to be so much disagreement because yeah. people are going to weigh things differently. And so, yeah, you have to, I think, to be a faithful Christian, have to leave space for disagreement, um, not just with people who are outside the church, but even within the church that they're going to you know, come to different kind of judgments about what should be valued in this situation. We may agree totally on principles and then still disagree as you get down the line on a particular policy, because, you know, um, we've come to a different judgment about the priorities that we need to have or the balance that we need to to hold between uh, competing interests and so on. So that's, you know, th this this kind of a framework, I think, helps explain both how to be faithful um, at the individual level, but also how to be open uh, in a Christian way to disagreement, to not, you know, conflating unanimity with unity uh, in those, in those, in the principled sense. All right. Jordan Baller, again, our guest here on Mornings with Carmen. He's from the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. The last P, though, and this is always important because we have to take a posture of humility, and with that comes prayer. Yeah, and that's why I always like when, I, when I'm talking about this to end with that fourth P, and they use prayer because prayer is so important. You know, the, the church fathers, John Calvin, called it the chief exercise of faith. So if we're trying to live faithfully, then we need to be in prayer, and that's going to help um, orient us towards God's will, which is ultimately what we're seeking in our lives and in the world. Um, that's essentially what prayer is, is it's conforming us to God's will. And so 
um, it's that posture that we need because, you know, we're praying to to God who's above us and whose will we're seeking. So it's exactly that kind of a posture, I think, that we need to be faithful politically. And that's going to determine um, the possibility of, of faithfulness and success in all these other areas we've been talking about. You know, one of the things that prayer also helps us do is, is you know, clarify that we're not God and that we are to be um, his agents in the world. And so then our approach has to be representative of, of him and his will. And, and so I, I keep coming back to um, some scriptural guidance for how to engage politically. You know, often when you talk about politics, people turn to Romans 13, which is a great and a really important foundational mm -hmm. text for understanding politics. But if you look at Romans 12, which proceeds that there's really a, um, an intimate connection between these two chapters. And so in Romans 12, Paul is talking about in many ways, our personal conduct, you know, the, the posture that we have towards the world. And, you know, one of the lines in Romans 12 is, is in verse 18. It's Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is a really important representative kind of summary statement about the posture that Christians are to have in the world. That is, um, you know, stand for your conviction, stand up for Christ, stand up for what uh, God has convicted you to stand up for. Um, but do so in a way that will allow you to be live peaceably with all as, as much as it's within your power to do. And you obviously cannot control everything. You can't control what other people do. You can't control um, what the world is doing. You know, you can't control what's happened before. But so far as it depends on you, Paul tells us, live peaceably with all. So um, as much as you are out there in the world trying to defend your faith and articulate it faithfully, um, you have to do so in such a way that it's going to promote peace and harmony as much as it's, it's feasible and possible. And you'll notice when you do that, you're kind of reflecting Christ. Yep. <laughs> so, hey, Jordan, we are out of time, but it's been great talking with you. Where's the best place people can connect with you at? So we're at the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy, crcd.net, and I'm on social media as well, Jordan okay. Baller. Yeah, so thanks very much for having me. It was oh, a great conversation. You are welcome. Great talking with you again. Jordan Baller again from the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. I'm Paul Perot. This is Faith Radio. And, okay, even though karma's not here, I'm going to have a Friday Farm Report. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. I hope you enjoyed our conversations over the last few days. Again, remember, all podcasts or Mornings with Carmen are found at MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. Okay, Carmen likes to do a Friday farm report. And, okay, I grew up on a farm. I'm not currently one, obviously. I work in radio. But over the last few years, even though I live in a townhouse, my wife and I have had some square foot garden and pot garden going on on the deck and, and such. And uh, maybe you remember our conversations with Brian Feuder a couple of times in the last few years. He's with the Square Foot Garden organization, or at least it's a movement. He's out of the Fargo area and gave some good tips. And yeah, I'm doing pretty well. We're get, we got a lot of grape tomatoes this year, a lot of lettuce, a lot of wax beans. My wife is a big fan of wax beans. So we're, uh, we've been enjoying them a plenty this year. Actually, okay, I have three tomato plants. The, uh, the, the grape tomatoes going like crazy. That's been great. I have some really nice ones getting ready on the big, uh, what do they call beefsteak tomatoes, the larger ones. The Roma plant, it keeps blossoming, keeps doing things, and then nothing. 
absolutely nothing. I'm just kind of going, what's the deal with that? I, I like Roma tomatoes. They work great in salsa and such. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Again, Carmen back on Monday. It's been a joy to be your guest host. I'm Paul Perot. Thank you again for listening to Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.